So, it's interesting um, just constantly trying to cooperate with what the Lord is doing. How many know he's taking us on quite a journey? Uh, and I want to share something with you that is a little irritating, and I want to do so in a way that uh, I want to use some caution. Um, I don't ever want us to be a cause-centered church family. <clears throat> I believe there are worthy causes that emerge in our days, um, and devoting ourselves to those causes can be really positive and good and wonderful, but I want you to understand we must always, that can also be used by the enemy as a distraction. Uh, it can produce a reaction within us, and then we grow distracted from really being Christ-centered. If we don't stay Christ-centered, uh, then we can get off center. So I'm going to tell you something, and it's going to make you want to jump on the cause and the bandwagon, but I just I want to make sure we all understand the healthy approach to what this is. Um, if you've seen some of our Facebook posts personally, the team, the leadership, the staff, uh, we've posted this week, uh, Facebook actually shut our church Facebook account down. It's been disabled. Um, people who are watching us online right now are either on destinyokc.com or they're on YouTube uh, because Facebook for months has been sending us notifications. Our sermons will go up and then um, by the afternoon they take them off and they send us information saying you violated the community standards of Facebook with your video. And so we've replied tried to comply with everything that might be a problem or a concern, and um, it's just been kind of bizarre. We don't know what their beef is or concern is, but now they have actually stopped our account altogether. So we're not on Facebook any longer, you know, like 20,000 check-ins, and I mean, just crazy when I was thinking about, you know, all the stats and information on there, <clears throat> but... Um, we are taking some efforts to try and get that restored, replenished. Then I had somebody in the first service come up to me afterward and say they were trying to download the app because uh, they couldn't get on Facebook and were removed from the app store. So I personally don't think my preaching is that bad, but apparently there are some people, uh, Facebook or app store, that are um, having a few issues with us. So we are literally looking into contacting a senator's office and doing whatever we can to try and move in that direction. But again, I just want to reiterate to you, you know what we're going to do is just stay focused right on Jesus. We're going to keep doing what God's called us to do as a church family, lifting up the name of the Lord and uh, being vigilant in these other areas and try and figure out what the problem is. So sorry for the inconvenience of that, but we will walk it out together. Um, I, it's been an interesting journey this weekend, particularly. I've, I've just felt a sense of um, uh, heaviness to, to launch into another season that God's calling us to. I believe there's a price with what I'm going to share with you today that we're going to begin to walk into and, and uh, ask God for wisdom and guidance and discernment every step of the way. You know, we kind of went away from... Um, the idea of packaging a five-week series on the six easy steps to getting everything you ever wanted in life as God's ultimate goal for you to show you he's blessed you. Uh, you know, we went away from that because we, what we figured out was the Lord really doesn't want us to put our hands on and package what he's desiring to reveal. 
And so we're trying to learn how to go about that. And rather than, you know, producing these series, what we're doing is just more so discerning the season. And we've discerned a shift in the season stepping into, and uh, we're going to just progress into this and see how the Lord wants to reveal. But we're going to be talking about the true treasure of God. And I'm going to lay some groundwork for what that really is today, getting into a discussion of the fear of the Lord. Uh, We're going to talk about that for a few weeks, but we want to really understand the true treasure of God. In that journey of understanding the true treasure of God, what we're going to do is sense and learn and see what the true treasure of friendship is really all about, the true treasure of marriage, the true treasure of um, church. How many of you know there's a, a true treasure of church? I don't know if you understand or not, but... The church is only the church because of the people who are gathered in the room. That's why we're the church. We could fill this room with cars and it would not be a church. It would be a garage because it would be filled with cars. But because you and I are here, we are the church. You can't go to church because you are the church. And so we want to understand what the true treasure of the church is really all about. Jesus loves the church and wants to build the church. And, um, and I believe that it's time for us to begin to recognize and understand some real basic things about what God is calling us to. And I want to unlock that uh, with you today just a little bit. I want you to know that we have a great responsibility um, God's entrusted to our care many alignments and connections to many other pastors, leaders, and churches. Many pastors reference us as their pastoral covering uh, in their work and their ministry. There's one church that we work with in Dallas, and we've gone down to do training teaching with their intern program over the years. And um, two of their interns are actually doing kids' ministry in our building. They're no longer interns. They graduated and went into a pastoral ministry. And they've come up here just to see what's destiny all about and say thanks for the way we've poured into them. And they wanted to reciprocate, so they're ministering to our kids right now. Uh, And that's just beautiful. The Howards, who work with our school, have served in a real apostolic role working with other churches and schools as well. It's just this constant connection that seems to be emerging for us to work with other churches. Right now, we're, we're connected with a group of USA churches and churches overseas, and we're meeting with those pastors and leaders on a weekly basis. And the purpose for that meeting is to discern and hear what God is saying to the body of Christ for this next season. I want to start to explore that with you, uh, for us as a church, what that really looks like. And I want to, I, I actually... As we started today, I toyed with the idea of coming up out of worship and um, kind of saying, you know, not just keeping it so surface, like, you understand there's this part and then there's this part. <laughs> you, you understand what I'm saying when I make those gestures, right? There's this surface part of what we're doing and then there's something so much deeper. And I wanted to come up and just kind of be surface and say, oh, great singing, guys. That's awesome. Everybody have a seat. We're going to get right into the message so that you could feel a little bit of what it is to have Velcro in your hands when you really should have velvet. We as the church need to explore that deeper mechanism of what God's desiring. That is the true treasure of church and the function that God's called us to. And so um, I, I didn't do that for a couple of reasons, but one is I knew what I'm about to share with you would take us there readily. You know, we've made the national news again, uh, unfortunately, this past week. And if you're aware, uh, we as in the Oklahoma City, uh, if you're aware of what took place, um, a family in Edmond, you know, they got up one morning this past week and uh, apparently, you know, 
propane log lighter had been leaking into the house, and the house blew up. Uh, it was a very, very sad situation. The, the daughter was actually killed in the, uh, in the rubble falling on her in her room. The father was severely burned. The, the, the mother and the son survived. They're all in the hospital. The three of them are in the hospital, but they lost their daughter. Uh, many of us have different connections with this family. And in fact, A.T. Uh, used to pastor this family. So there's a real personal close tie. Um, when we heard about that, I talked to Tracy and I said, you know, I want us to have family devotions that night. And I, I sent a message to our girls and I said, look, we want to take some extra time this evening and just spend some time together. And you know, we, we sat down as a family to do our ministry time together that we do in our home. And instead of doing what we would typically do, I just said, you know, I want us to, I felt like the Lord was saying he wanted to introduce us to a deeper place of prayer. How many of you know in a situation like that, where somebody is suffering so much loss, it's easy just to come together, even as a family with great intentions and, you know, just kind of say a little popcorn prayer, hope that everything's okay, grace of God, bless them. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I just, you understand, God is way more in tune and in touch with the pain of people's lives than that. And I just began to share to, with our family, I feel like the Lord wants to teach us something deeper about intercessory prayer. And I said, I don't want us to pray at first. I just want us to sit here in this room and I want us to enter into a, a, a sense of lamentation for this family. I want us to think about their loss. I want us to think about their grief. I want us to allow God to allow us to be touched by the burden that they're facing, having lost their home, lost a family member. And I, and I just said, what would it be like if we suddenly had a family member, one of us no, no longer in the picture, and what that would look like in terms of picking up and Christmas coming soon? I mean, I, I get emotional right now just thinking about this family because we just took time to lament for them in silence before we began to pray for them. In other words, we allowed ourselves to be touched by the pain that they were facing before we prayed. Do, do you get where I'm going with this? It went from here to here in a very real way. And largely, I believe that's what God is wanting us to understand. In the midst of everything uh, that's going on in our world today, we as the church need to pay close attention to the desires of God, discerning what he's discerning. How I many you know there's some things that bother God that don't really bother the church because we're not paying attention to the things that bother God? How many believe there are some things that bother the church that really don't bother God and we need to pay closer attention to what he's saying? Hey, don't worry about it, right? And so, come on, just close your eyes for a moment. Lord, we just ask that you would help us to have this sensitivity to you in the way we love each other, and the way we care for each other, that a passing smile or comment to somebody can go deep when we're really capturing the essence of the compassion of the Lord. Lord, just let that grace be upon us as the church, we pray. Help us to understand the true treasure of the church, true treasure of your love. In Jesus' mighty name, Amen. 
You know, it's been maybe a decade ago, um, I shared this report that I read, and it's mind-boggling, but that report, you know, over 10 years ago now, said every church, I'm sorry, every county in the United States of America, 77 counties in the state of Oklahoma, all 77 counties in the state of Oklahoma included, every county in every state in the United States of America had fewer people attending church that year than they had 10 years prior. In other words, if you go 10 years earlier in every single county in the United States of America, more people were attending church. Population grew, but church attendance declined, even in the midst of population growth. And it really struck me as I was reading that and thinking about that and reflecting on that, some of our experiences of ministry that we've had in Europe and England and, and what we've seen and observed over there and the, the shift that's taken place in, in just you know the 20 years or so that we've been involved in that. And I started researching that. And you know what I found is that the U.S. is actually seemingly on a similar projection to what Europe uh, was on a century ago, because one century ago, 100 years ago, 70% of the people in Europe would have said that they were, a Christ, that they were Christian. And now, 100 years later, all this information I'm giving you is from a decade ago, okay, so 10 years ago, 100 years later, the, the number of people in Europe who say that they're Christian was not 70%, it was less than 1%. Now, I want you to let that sink in just for a moment as we think about what's going on in the United States of America. And it's entirely possible that we're on this, this collision course with what we've seen from our friends overseas if we don't stop for a moment and evaluate why are we not making a difference? Why are we not transforming society? Why are we not winning the lost? Why are we not seeing entire cities come to know Jesus? And, and I believe it was Leonard Ravenhill that said, there's nothing worse than a sick church in a dying world. And, and I want us to start to evaluate what it is that God's doing in the church. And, and please hear me loud and clear when I say, I love the church. I believe Jesus loves the church. He came and he says, he came to build the church. So clearly he loves the church. How many know he's not giving up on the church? How many of you have given Jesus plenty of reason to give up on you? Can I just say, aren't you glad he didn't give up on you? I'll guarantee the church has given him plenty of reason to give up on the church, and I'm glad he hasn't given up on the church. So that's a very important element. If you want to be like Jesus, you're going to have to learn to love the church because he loves the church. And we can't lose sight of that. But we also don't just blindly accept what's happening in the church as everything God's desiring to do. In fact, if we were to take a Bible, and if, if somebody, if you were suddenly just dropped into the planet and you were given the New Testament of Scripture, and, and your assignment was read the New Testament and evaluate what you see in the New Testament is the church that God has planned to, to transform society, then if you didn't have any frame of reference of church that you attend and you read the New Testament, what would be your conclusion and how much would it resemble or not resemble what we do today in the Western world as church? It's pretty challenging stuff, would you agree? 
And I just think the Lord wants to bring a shift and a transformation in our thinking uh, as we sort this out. And I'm going to explain this more as we journey into this together, but but the Israelites, they were in the bondage of Egypt. And I've, I've been recently, in my turn the page, just reading. Again, I started over. I'm, I'm in the book of Exodus, and I read this, and, and it just struck me. And so this is going to be something we'll talk more about. But the Israelites were in the bondage of Egypt. And the Bible says that when the Israelites came out of Egypt, they actually carried the gold of Egypt with them. And the gold of Egypt in their pockets was actually going to be used once they got uh, you know, through the wilderness into the promised land to establish the kingdom of God expression in the earth, the temple. First the tabernacle, then the temple. That's where the gold came from that made the Ark of the Covenant and you know, all the articles of furniture. It was the gold of Egypt. But there's something that happened between their coming out of Egypt and ever getting out of the wilderness before they got into the promised land. And they're standing at the foot of this mountain, and Moses goes up on the mountain. And in the absence of of the authority of God, they decided to formulate their own expression of worship. And they took the gold that they took out of Egypt, and they melted it down, and they actually made their own form of worship that actually resembled the culture from which they had been born in, from which they came. It did not resemble the culture of the kingdom of God being established in the earth. It resembled the culture of Egypt. Do you hear what I'm saying? Is it possible that we, particularly in the Western world, have allowed ourselves to formulate and develop an expression of worship that actually resembles the culture that we've been born in more than it resembles the kingdom of God? And I'm asking the Lord to help us to understand how to walk this out because we are on a mission to explore the true treasure of God in all of our lives and to understand more of what God desires in this next season. Uh, It is so important that we give ourselves to allowing the Holy Spirit to really develop, establish, and build everything he's desiring to develop and establish and build. How many of you believe there's a great journey that we're on and there are amazing things that God has in stores ahead? So first, I want to just ask you, why don't you help me in an attitude of faith, in an attitude of appreciation, in an attitude of celebration, free up your hands and let's thank God for where he's taking us. Come on, let's give him a hand clap of praise and declare we thank God for where he's taking us. Do what you need to do within us, oh God, in the name of Jesus. The second thing I want to ask you to sincerely give thanks to God for is not just where we're going to go and what we're going to accomplish, but listen carefully, who we become in the process of accomplishing those things. This is not just about trying to accomplish something for the Lord. It's about becoming who he wants us to become in the process of accomplishing. So come on, would you just posture your hands in a place of availability as we celebrate, Lord, Make us the men and women of God, the sons and daughters of God that you desire for us to be, discerning the love of God, participating with the church you desire to build in the earth where we start to recognize more so what this is really all about. And we keep our focus directly on you. We will always be Christ-centered truly engaged in your word, walking in the presence of authority. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Give me a good amen. Amen. We're going to walk this thing out together. It takes a lot of work for us to do what God's called us to do. 
a lot of personal work in our personal lives, in our everyday lives, walking out the things that God's uh, desiring for us to walk out. Uh, it takes a lot congregationally as a family. And so today what we're going to do is invite you, um, as we conclude, every, you know, we do this Serve Sunday focus so that you can kind of see all the areas to serve in the church. And you, you'll notice the tables around the perimeter of the entire auditorium. And uh, these tables are all set up just so in the conclusion of our time of worship today, you can go and find and look at various options and opportunities. There are a number of new families that have come in with us, and so this is how you can see some things about how to serve. You can find this online on our website. Uh, that's still up, praise God. Uh, also, if you are interested, you can find the community groups online on our website or right by the Connect Center, and you can look at that wall and see all the different community groups right out there physically or look up digitally. I had someone asking me right before the service, how do we find you know, different groups or, or connecting? And so you have those options that exist. And then today there'll be people at all the tables that you can talk to. You can see kind of what their ministries are about. And, and our whole focus, how many of you know, the, the true treasure of the kingdom of God is revealed whenever we apply his word in our lives. And the, and the Bible actually says it is more blessed to Give than to receive. Everybody say give. And so what we want to do is learn how to live sacrificially and not just show up to see what we can get out of the gathering of the church, but actually show up and become and be the church. And so we invite people to come and understand what it is to serve one and to worship one, where we actually show up in one service and serve, and then in the other service we uh, worship. We come in and we're fed. And so we want you to both give and receive in that process. If you serve in the first service, attend the second. If you serve in the second, please attend the first. And we've got information we can help you understand a little bit more of what that is as we just engage deeper in what it is to truly fear the Lord and participate in what it is he's desiring to build. It's very important that we're walking that out very intentionally together as a family. So what I, what I want to do is kind of lay a foundation as we talk about what takes us into this true treasure. And I want to show you scripture today uh, that will help you see why I believe fear is actually a treasure. But it is the treasure of fear that I want to talk to you about. The fear of the Lord is actually described in the Bible as a treasure. Now we're kind of in a season where fear is, you know, here we come, October coming this week, right? It's going to be a, a week where uh, fear is kind of glorified and celebrated, and uh, you'll, if you see, you know, they'll start advertising all the horror shows coming on in the month of October. We expect, you know, that's all going to emerge in the month of October, which is very, you know, typical part of the year. But what we have to understand, the reaction of fear is a natural part of fallen humanity. God wants to take us actually to a greater fear, greater understanding of the fear of the Lord in all that God's calling us to. The Bible actually has 365 fear knots in Scripture. Now, I think that's interesting. Fear not 365 times. In other words, that's a fear not for every day of the entire year. How many of you believe God does not want us to live in an attitude of fear or reaction, but we do need to understand the fear of the Lord in that entire process? So, um, this month, rather than just giving it over, we want to we try and take it back. How many believe we, the church, ought to be the light in a place of great darkness? And so what we're learning in our minds and, and as we're 
as a leadership team asking the Lord to help us understand is that there has to be a stronger element of ascending capacity of the church for us to really fulfill the Great Commission. In other words, the Great Commission never has been y'all come. The Great Commission has always been y'all go. And so we gather as the church, but, but you can't go to church. We gather as the church so that we learn to be the church, and then we go out as the church, and we transform everywhere we go. Your area of work is your area of ministry. Isn't that beautiful? God wants to show up in your workplace this week. And in fact, he's been there every week prior, only maybe we weren't quite as aware of his presence in those places than we're about to be in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm believing God to really mobilize us to be a mighty force to be contended with where we, the church, will push back the gates of hell that will not prevail against the church. Come on, let's do Let's all clap that in and agree. The church is rising up in a great strength and discernment to the things of God in the name of the Lord. And so what we're wanting to do typically, you know, in this time of the year, because of what we're trying to process and understand the commissioning out, rather than uh, hosting our typical, you know, Halloween alternative for the community where we get everybody to come onto the campus, we're actually wanting to empower people out to go. And uh, we've been talking with community group leaders. Maybe some of you uh, beyond the community group leaders would like to host a yard party on Halloween night. Um, You know, we we walk through this every year and we try and soften the terminology for some people who get really nervy about Halloween and we call it a harvest party or something. It's Halloween night and we're going to host yard parties. You can call it whatever you'd like, but here's the bottom line. We want to commission you to be light in a place of darkness. Uh, and we're not saying have a Halloween party. We're saying have a yard party where you give away destiny bags that we're going to put stuff in, uh, candy and so on, and you'll be able to give those out the week before. We're going to give you yard signs, letting people know they can come. Uh, and and you, can you imagine what would happen if we, the church, actually just went all over the metro area and just had four or five meaningful conversations with families that night? Your, your, your objective, you need to understand what I'm saying. Your objective is not to go out there and say, hey, listen, I want you to come to my church. That is not what we're doing. We're saying, go be the church. I, I, I can't jump off here like I used to, but I'd go down there, sit in that chair, and amen myself right now like I used to do if I was a little more agile. But you understand, I'm at least 30 now, so I have to take it easy. But I, go, be the church. Like, go and have just some meaningful conversations with neighbors that are already going to be out having interaction and conversation, and for you to bridge the gap and open the doorway. I have personally uh, been the past year focusing in on just trying to meet people that I'm not in normal circles with and just love on them and open the doorway to be able to share the love of Christ. Hear me loud and clear. Sharing the love of Jesus is sharing the gospel. There doesn't need to be a hook in it. There doesn't need to be a salvation prayer requirement at the end. You're not loving people so that you can hook them into something. You're simply wanting them to experience the love of God because God is love and when they experience love they'll experience God. How many know God is great enough to reach into a person's life and begin to do a supernatural work just like he did in you. You were unreachable. Why don't you thank him that he reached you? So we want to step into this. If you're interested in participating or hosting your own yard party, then you can send a 
you know, sign, fill up the connect card, basically. You can uh, text right now if you'd like destiny to 405-584, the number on your screen. Oh, man. The big question is like, what is God doing right now? Like, I'm talking about while I'm speaking. The big question is not, how can I bring it home? I, I, you know, I'm just kind of exhausted with clever. I really want power. I'm not sure I know how to enter into it, but I'm hungry for it more so than I've ever known before. And I believe the Lord wants to expose that to us and help us to walk this out. You know, this crazy year 2020, it's been nuts. Like, you understand, in a, a, a society that's become so fearful, um, we have to walk through different things personally and organizationally, even as a church family, dealing with the pandemic and just giving consideration, mandates, and so forth. But here, let me just make sure everybody understands, God didn't give any of us in this house a spirit of fear. We'll do nothing out of an attitude or reaction of fear in Jesus' mighty name. That's never going to be what is a driving force for any of our lives. Even in a year where a pandemic hits, I mean, 2020's been crazy. A pandemic uh, sweeps around the globe. Uh, and then looking beyond that, deadly wildfires have burned tens of millions of acres. We're smelling smoke from the West Coast all the way here in, in Oklahoma this past week. I mean, it's just crazy. Murder hornets have made the news. Even murder hornets, man. Like, you can go online and buy your own murder hornet if you want to buy one now. They're not alive, but you can buy one. I looked it up this morning just to verify, buy a murder hornet in 2020. Who would ever thought I would be saying anything like that? And then, like, even excursions and, you know, just relaxed time has its challenges. Like, cruise ships have brand new challenges. This is, this is indicative, this picture is indicative of the challenges that happen on cruise ships in the day that we live in. I mean, that's just straight up awful right there. Just a crazy, crazy time in the midst of all kinds of instability that we have suffered and faced in 2020, the treasure of fear, according to Scripture, is what actually brings stability and certainty to our hearts. The treasure of fear. The Bible says it this way in Isaiah 33, 6. He will be the sure foundation for your times. How you know that's for all times? The Bible is ageless for all times. He will be the sure foundation for your times, a rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. The fear of the Lord is the key to the stability and certainty, the treasure of God. The fear of God is the key that unlocks the treasure of God in our lives. You know, I, I realized that I was going to start talking this month about the fear of the Lord, and I thought, well, I'm going to research this a little bit and find out all the books that have been written on the fear of the Lord just so I can get a picture of it. I had a hard time finding any books that have been written on the subject. I started thinking, I've never heard a single sermon on the fear of the Lord. Maybe you have. I've never heard anybody preach on it. 
I started looking into it, and I found there was a man by the name of Derek Prince in 1915, I believe it was, who was born, passed away about a decade ago, graduated to heaven. But he, in, in the 1900s, kind of became the leading voice for the fear of the Lord, one of very few people that ever spoke or addressed the issue and uh, wrote a book on it. And then if you look further, if you go before Derek Prince, you have to go 200 years before you find another book in history of time written on the fear of the Lord. Do you understand? Like this is a, a very silent subject for some reason. So I don't have a big frame of reference of great preaching. I just believe God wants to birth some revelation in the course of these four weeks together as we press in on this. And so I've just been asking the Lord, okay, God, what is this that you're desiring to speak about the fear of the Lord? And and suddenly my mind went to an experience I had that I think is a great um, analogy for us of the fear of the Lord. We had an issue happen at our house where all of a sudden electricity, you know, went out and and we're trying to figure out what's going on with this. And Tracy is, uh, when, when God gave me Tracy, uh, man, he knew I needed like the most ambitious woman on the planet. This girl, she's relentless when she thinks of something she wants to get done and take care of. She gets it done. And so the electricity, you know, she's like calling her dad because he's, you know, works on these rental property handyman. I am not spiritually gifted uh, that spiritual gift of handymanness, that does not exist within me, okay? That's just not my spiritual gift. And so she's talking with her dad on the phone, I hear her, and they go out to the panel, the electric panel, the panel that's outside. I'm not talking about the inside panel where you can shut off the power and go, you know, they were at the, the panel where the power comes from the earth into the building. You know, you can't shut off the power coming. Those are the cables and lines. And she's talking to her, and I'm thinking, I mean, I have to go and help. I can't just stand here while this is going on. I go out there, and she's like FaceTiming her dad, and he's looking at the panel. He goes, oh, yeah, I see if you do this. And so I, the next thing I know, I'm standing with a pair of needle-nose pliers in my hand. My wife holding a phone. My father-in-law on the, I mean, there are a whole lot of reasons you need to be careful when your father-in-law is telling you, stick the pliers in the electric panel right there. And so I'm, I'm thinking, he's saying, yeah, the third one up, this one, oh no, a little higher. And he says, now very carefully, be careful. And I'm just thinking, why am I doing this? And, and, and I, I finally, you know, do a little thing and he goes, yeah, that didn't work. And I was just like, forget it. I'm not going to touch this thing again. I don't know if she took out on a recent life insurance policy on me or, you know, what does it, but, but we actually called a professional, somebody who could come and, and I would not get electrocuted standing there on that thing. And the, the thing that I, I left that moment thinking, I'm really thankful for the power that we have in our house. And I really respect the source of power that we have in our house. And I want to say to you that we as the church need to understand we have incredible power from God available to us, but we must never be casual about it. We come into this place and we worship. And are we ever casual about our worship? Are we ever casual about the presence of God that we have right here to invade our lives? The answer to that is yes. But the more we fear the Lord, the less casual we become, not just in a place of worship, but in a place of living our lives as an expression of worship or the sacrifice of worship everywhere we go. I want to wake up with a sense of the fear of the Lord and a greater awareness of the presence of God. 
I want to address issues of temptation in my life in a way that the presence of God actually drives out my propensity to give in to those places of temptation so often in my life. Can anybody relate? The fear of the Lord is the greater fear that will destroy and annihilate the lesser fears. And we're going to look at this as we evaluate this over the course of these next few weeks. But we need to understand, and this is an important statement for us, the fear of the Lord is the all-filled awakening of the human heart to the overwhelming majesty of our Creator God. That is a beautiful description and expression of understanding the power of the fear of the Lord, the awe-filled awakening of the human heart. Would you just put your hand on your heart? Lord, do something powerful in our hearts, we pray. There would be literally an awe-filled awakening in our hearts to the overwhelming majesty of our Creator God in Jesus' name. Come on, you agree with that? Say amen. amen. In this place of the fear of the Lord, God reveals his secrets to his people. The fear of the Lord is an important part of our lives. Psalms 25, 14. It's a really unique verse, and it happens to be the life verse for our youngest daughter, Lexi. But Psalms 25, 14 says, The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. Or the way we would say it to her when she was a baby, God tells secrets to those who fear him and makes his covenant known to them. The fear of the Lord positions us to hear the things God's desiring to reveal. Now I want you to think about this because we want to be the church he's called us to be. And what does it take, you think, to get there? The fear of the Lord that would awaken our capacity to hear the secrets of God about who he's desiring for us to become. Now, we came into the year 2020, and Tracy began to prophesy over 2020, not just a year, but a decade. And she began to say, um, the 2020s are going to be the roaring 20s, not like the 1920s roaring 20s, but like the 2020s roaring 20s, where the lion of the tribe of Judah is about to roar in such a way that the church is going to be awakened to the prophetic voice of God being expressed through their surrendered available life. How many believe that's true? She began to prophesy and talk with me about, um, she said, I, I see the stock market is going to roar and then like the pandemic hit, and I thought, oh, poor girl, she missed that one, man. I mean, like the stock market's about to fall apart. I was literally saying to her, girl, we need to sell everything. Anything related to the market needs to be liquid. We're coming into this pandemic. Do you understand? How many of you had those feelings of fear? And she just was like, I just feel the stock market's going, even in the face of that which seemed impossible, you understand God was trying to have a conversation and one of us was paying attention to it. Thankfully, she was listening. But that's exactly what has happened. The stock market has roared through this entire pandemic. I can't even explain it or understand it. It doesn't even make sense to me. But but I do know this, the roaring lion of the tribe of Judah is wanting to activate something within our hearts that might not ever even make any sense to what the world may see, know, or understand. The wisdom of God seems like foolishness to the world, and you and I are to carry the mind of Christ in the way we walk this out, and the fear of the Lord unlocks the secret things of God for us to discern what he's desiring to reveal. 
This is, this is a significant element for us to understand. Fearing the Lord is simply walking in a posture where his word reigns supreme in our lives. Now, I want to challenge you. Part of what we're going to have to see is how we've come out of Egypt in such a materialistic society, and we've created a church that's such a materialistic society that our mindset even is to focus on helping people feel like God's going to reward them materialistically if they'll obey him. We've even made serving to be a place of self-fulfillment. You want to be fulfilled, don't you? I mean, you want to be happy and fulfilled, then serve in the church. Listen, serving is not so much about self-fulfillment as much as it is about kingdom advancement. And there's a sacrifice that must be made to see the kingdom of God advance. We've got to get this right. And the perspective even of giving is so vital. The, the, the Bible clearly says that God has given us a perpetual pattern that breaks the spirit of materialism off of our lives. It's called tithing. And when we gather together and we worship with our giving as an expression of our hearts, then it literally positions us where our treasure is, our heart will go. It positions us to have a greater heart for the work God wants to do in the earth. Are you hearing me with your spiritual ears today? Because I believe God wants us to learn the fear of the Lord in our finances. He wants us to learn our, the fear of the Lord in the way we walk through every single day of our lives. The fear of the Lord where we're greatly aware of the presence of God and what he's desiring to do in those moments in time. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. Your action point this week, every week, you know, we want to give an action point. Your action point this week is to rehearse these verses of Scripture about the fear of the Lord. There are a bunch of them. I've compiled quite a few and put them on the blog, if you have the app, you can get the live notes easily. These are all listed there. And my challenge to you is to rehearse these verses and allow God's word to have a place in your life where he's ministering to you powerfully through his word. So I want to ask, would you just would you stand to your feet? And I'm, I'm going to read a whole lot of scripture. And as I read the scripture, would you just be clothed with the truth God's desiring to reveal? Maybe on the inside, something unique uh, is going on that God wants to unlock today. As I talk about the fear of the Lord, maybe you know, you're in this room right now and you say, I'm just not really sure where I stand in my relationship with God. See, the fear of the Lord brings you to the foot of the cross where in reverence, humility, and submission, you acknowledge that he sent his son so that you could have life, like real life. Understanding what that really means to see his kingdom expand. So I just want to invite you, would you just posture your heart before him as I read through these verses of Scripture and we understand the fear of God is the key that unlocks the treasure of God in our lives. Psalms 22.4, humility is the fear of the Lord. It's wages and riches. Wages are riches and honor and life. You remember what I said a while ago about how our family prayed for that family? That sense of deep awareness more so 
of what God is doing? I want you to think about that when we're rehearsing scripture. The power of your devotions is beyond your understanding. The power of this, just reading these verses, this is God's word that is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. And it penetrates deep within us. Psalms 115, 13 to 14. He will bless those who fear the Lord, small and great alike. May the Lord cause you to flourish, both you and your children. Something of the fear of the Lord in you that actually impacts the next generation. Proverbs 14, 26 to 27. In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence and his children will have refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. Proverbs 10, 27. The fear of the Lord prolongs life. Proverbs 3, 7 and 8. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Psalms 145, 19. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. Proverbs 9, 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Psalms 33, 8. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere Him. Acts 9, 31. So that we don't think this is just an Old Testament concept. It says, so the church had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. It multiplied. Romans 3, 10 to 18. As it is written, there's no one righteous, not even one. I want you to hear the sickened state of society that's being described by those who didn't fear the Lord. There's no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have become worthless. There's no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. Verse 17, the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. The last verse that I want to give you, I want to explain a story out of it. It's Psalms 19, verses 9 and 10. It says, The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, more pure than gold. They're sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. There was a college student named Lynn DeShazam. And she was an aspiring worship leader and songwriter. And she started implementing these spiritual practices in her life to develop a greater understanding of the fear of the Lord. This particular text of Scripture, you understand, the fear of the Lord is pure. And it goes on and says, then more precious than, so, than, than gold and so on. And so she'd been reflecting on this particular verse, and she decided to enter into a time of fasting. How many of you know when you enter into a time of fasting, the enemy always tries to set up roadblocks 
to cut you off and get you to call, you know, take a shortcut. And so she worked at McDonald's while she was in school. She goes to McDonald's, and that day when she arrived, they said, well, we've got a, a position we need you to fill today that's not commonly yours. We need you to work the fryer. That means this girl fasting this day is going to be standing in front of McDonald's golden crispy french fries all day long. Do you understand? And so she, she literally was there working the fryer and she tells the story how all day she's working looking at these beautiful, amazing, golden, crisp french fries. And she's fasting and she's looking at these french fries and she's fat. And in a moment of weakness, she looks around, nobody sees her, so she grabs one and eats it. And it tasted really good. And it felt really bad. Kind of like sin does in our lives, isn't it? It wasn't an issue of the, of the french fry. It was an issue that she had just consecrated that day before the Lord, saying, I'm not going to eat anything. And then she gave in to that moment of temptation. She was broken. She describes how when she was driving home, she was reflecting on this particular passage of Scripture. And out of this moment of her life, she wrote this song about how, Lord, you are more beautiful than diamonds. Out of that moment, her declaration was, there's nothing more important to me than honoring you. She thanked God for his grace to forgive her and help her to move forward. And she just felt like she'd really let the Lord down. Come on, we've all been in that moment, haven't we? I want to ask you, let's take these few moments that we have remaining before we're dismissed to take a look at tables on our way out. And let's take this worship here on this surface level of just singing songs we're going to look at on the screen and let's take them a little bit deeper. Normally we'd say the prayer team's going to go out, but what I want to ask is just for you, if you have any need at all, I want you just to lift your hands, open your hearts as we sing and we worship. But just a few moments here, I want you to allow God just to come to you and speak to you. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are in the room. And I just want to ask you for your forgiveness for leading church in any way that would neglect the reality that you are here Help us not to gather and talk about you and sing about you. Help us to gather and interact with you. And I pray, Father, that would happen in these few moments we have now. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.